the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We are the Christian Apologetic Ministry. We're cutting edge, and we're dealing with the issues and challenges facing today's church. Live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, an expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and we're inviting you to call in with your questions, your comments, and all your concerns. Well, tonight we bring you part 12 in our series, The God of All Comfort. He is the God who comforts us not only in some of our troubles, not only in a few of our troubles, but in all of our troubles especially in these perilous and uncertain times that we live in. As we continue forward in this new year, we need God's comfort. We need to be comforted by God in the face of COVID-19 and its Omicron variant. We need to be comforted by God, not only in the face of sickness, disease, strokes, heart attack, diabetes, and the list goes on. But we also need to be comforted in the midst of social unrest, financial difficulties, and the multitude of trials and challenges we encounter on a daily basis. Challenges that give us grief and heartache and sorrow. And on top of all that, we have wars and rumors of war and global conflict to add to the mix. So if you find yourself in need of God's comfort, then I wanna challenge you tonight. We wanna challenge you to stay tuned, challenge you to learn and to listen, to take notes, challenge you to hear about this and much, much more. For we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and what a powerful challenge that you put out there for the people, and we trust that uh, many that are hearing the Lord speak through you will get encouraged uh, before they hear the Lord speak through me, and it's so true what you're saying. We're talking about the God of all comfort. When it says he's the God of all comfort in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Uh, God means that through the Apostle Paul. And do you believe it? Are you going to receive it? Are you going to achieve it? That's the challenge, you know. And all of these trials and tribulations that we go through, there's a purpose in it. We don't understand it all, but we'll understand it better by and by. Famous song says. Now, uh, what happens with a lot of us, because we don't, uh, you know, 
get ourselves into the position for God to bless us because we allow something else that sounds like the position to get in the way, and that is the condition. Now, make a note of that. We allow conditions and conditionings to get in the way of the position. Now, uh, the conditions, uh, you know, I lay out these like these three Bs, you know, the first B is like burden, you know, the burden is kind of connected to the condition because the burden is all of the sins and things that we struggle with in life that gets in the way of the position. And if you position yourself in Christ, you know, any man being in Christ, he's a new creation. And that's what the Bible talks about in Christ. If you want to talk about what is a true believer, a true believer is somebody that's in Christ. It's either you're in him or you're out of him. Now, we allow the burdens of life to get in the way. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, heavy laden is the burdens. It's the condition. And when you come to Christ, you put yourself in the position uh, to receive the second B, the benefit, and the third B, the blessing. But we can allow the conditioning to get in the way of the benefit and the blessings. And that's a battle every day of our lives. We battle with so many conditions, the conditioning of drugs, alcohol abuse, pornography, you know, fornication, adultery, gossip, you know, backstabbing, all of these sins that we struggle with. And if you don't step out of the condition into the position, there's no way you're going to be able to be blessed by God. That's a real word for you. That's what I've been sharing with the people in our congregation, and they've been so blessed by that. You know, you're going to either learn from tonight and say, I'm going to repent from the condition, things that's getting in the way of my blessing, the benefit and the blessing, and I'm going to start walking in the position, positioning myself to get blessed by God. You know, so now within this title, I have been doing a series talking about the question, why God allows bad things to happen to his people. That's a real important question. And you're going to run across that with people uh, who are always asking those questions, especially when tragedy hits and so many other things that hit. I've been encouraging my sister, you know, Dorothy, keep her in prayer. She had a major stroke. And I'm encouraging her that God has a purpose in this and he'll get you through this you know, and he will. Now, so why God allow bad things to happen to good people? Now, under this question, there are eight reasons why God allow bad things to happen to good people. And uh, we've talked about this, and let me kind of just review this. Number one, he allowed bad things to happen to good people 
and his people to test our faith. God tests our faith through severe hardships to see if we're going to truly love him, we're going to serve him, we're going to be faithful to him, loyal and committed to him. All of this is a test to even see if you are going to put him number one in everything you do. Now, number two, God allows bad things to happen to his people to wean us, W-E-A-N, wean us from this world, to help break our total dependence and attachments to this world. Uh, God wants to wean us from two evils that puts us in the condition so that we won't experience the position, and that is idolatry and immorality. And that's one of the reasons why the late Billy Graham said so profoundly, if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize for what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. And that is the big sin today in America and worldwide, idolatry. What are you worshiping? What are you spending more time with other than God? Spending more time with, it, rather than being in God's word and prayer and service, and what's, what's taking up most of your time other than God? Immorality follows right behind idolatry. And we live in a world today that's the transgender thing and all of this homosexual and lesbianism and fornication, adultery, and all of these sins and pornography is destroying people in America and even some church folks. Now, number three, thirdly, and I'm going to talk about that this time. God allows bad things to happen to us, people to call them to a heavenly hope. Make note of that. Thirdly, God allows bad things to happen to his people to call them to a heavenly hope. <clears throat> what is that heavenly hope? It's to prepare us. And remember, Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. You know, if he's gone away to prepare a place for you, and like he said in John 14, that means he's coming back for prepared people. You know, so God allows things to happen to you on this planet so that it can be a wake-up call for you and me. And Martin Luther, the great Reformationist father, said, the devil is God's devil. Don't you know that the devil can't do nothing unless God allows him to do it? And when he allows him to do it, he has a purpose in it, just like with uh, Job. And even Paul said he put that thorn in his flesh to keep him humble. And he said he was buffeted by Satan. Why? You know, Satan is like on a leash. And what happens every now and then when we get away from Bible study and prayer and, and giving and fellowship and doing what God calls us to do, he'll just loose the leash a little bit. And when you get a good uh, kick uh, by the Holy Spirit and a kick in your glutinous maximus by the devil, you're in business. <laughs> Sometimes the Holy Spirit got to give you a kick and also the devil. And that's the thing that gets you back in the place where you need to be. I remember J. Vernon McGee, uh, who did that famous teaching through the Bible. He said, when he went to the woodshed, that's when God got his greatest attention. Oh, 
It's a tough thing to go to the woodshed, my friend, but God will take you there if you're walking away from him and not doing what he called you to do. But this third point is so important that God allows bad things to happen to people to call them to a heavenly hope, to prepare them, to fill our hearts with preparation, anticipation for the glorious time to come and to live in that hope, not in this world, but the world to come in Christ. God takes us through severe tests, hardship, unbearable tests sometimes to see if we're going to be worthy and loyal to enter into the next world in heaven. You know, they used to say in the old black church, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. You know what? You got to be a prepared person to go to heaven and you got to be living under the lordship and the kingship of Christ. I told the people in our church last Sunday, I said, you know, what's, what's the number one thing that Jesus preached on more so than anything else in the gospel? And people were bumbling and fumbling. I said, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. It's the kingdom of God. You know why he preached on the kingdom of God most of the time? It's because he came, he, he wants us to live under his kingship, his lordship. And we got things backwards. I'm say this and bringing this home. And I'll pick up with this uh, third one again. But we got things backwards. Let me say this, my friend. We got a lot of things backwards in the sense that we think that it's all about living under the saviorship of Christ, number one. No, it's living under the lordship, number one. You look at Romans 10, 9 and 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, and then in Acts 16, you know, they were challenged the prisoner by Paul and Silas. You know, sirs, what must we do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. You know, the Bible teaches lordship before saviorship. But we got it all backwards in our churches. You know, God wants us to live under his lordship, and that's the real test that will determine if you're truly saved. And I pray tonight, we pray tonight that God will bring you to repentance. Lord, bring the people to repentance tonight, that they will come to know you as Lord and then Savior, because that's the only way we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. Well, all right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. Pick up the phone, give us a call. We'll be right back with more of contending for the faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults. Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, I'm Gary Bell, and once again, we want to hear from you tonight. This is a one-hour phone-in talk show, so we need you to phone in so we can have some wonderful conversation about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or whatever questions and issues you have regarding your faith, prayer, and the church, and things that are going on in our culture as well as it relates to the Bible. 
So we want to encourage you tonight. You've got questions. We've got answers, ideally, hopefully. And we should always be ready to give an answer. That's why we're on the air, because we believe so uh, tremendously in the calling that God is on our life, that we should be an apologetic ministry, that we should be giving reasons and answers for faith. And so we want to encourage you to take advantage of Dr. Buckner's many, many years of training, experience, and wisdom, and give us a call and get your questions answered. Um, it's so important. And we just want to encourage you tonight as well to continue to pray for contending for the faith. Uh, it's, we just really appreciate the many, many years of folks who have been standing with us, lockstep with us as we move forward in our journey and that they have continued to support this ministry so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do. And uh, we just can't thank you enough for your prayers. We can't thank you enough for um, the many, many uh, individuals who have partnered with us financially to keep us going. It's so important. Right now, we're at a deficit of $145, and we need to get that taken care of. So we need your help. But not only there, but we need to just keep things going, keep things moving forward so that we uh, can go week to week to week and take care of all the bills and the necessary things that are required to keep this radio ministry going. And without your help, it doesn't happen. So we need your prayers. We need your consistent support. And there's two ways that you can donate. You can send a check or a money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553. Tiburon, California, T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Simply go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. It's that simple. And so we just want to encourage you again and thank you again for your support for this ministry for so many, many years. So we want to hear from you tonight. That number again is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 So Dr. Buckner, you're about ready to go to these callers? Let's do that, Brother Gary. Let's go to Brother Rick. Yes. Brother Rick, how you doing? I'm blessed. How about yourselves? Uh, we are truly blessed as well. And uh, we trust that you got blessed by the word tonight. Yes, I did. Very much so. Uh, what, stu- what stood out? What, what really touched what, you? What stands out is knowing what is our priority. What, we are, what Jesus is looking for is that we, we receive him as Lord before we receive him as Savior. And many times uh, we, 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 we stress the Savior part, but very little emphasis on the Lord. Oh, and yes. The, 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 the test on the Lord, that tells us whether we really receive Jesus Christ or not. Absolutely. Look like we got some bad connections with people. Uh, Rick, uh, do you have it on the speakerphone or you have it by your ear? Just to make sure we are connecting. Yeah. Do you have it on? Do you have it on your speakerphone? Yes, I do. Maybe can you put it by your ear? Let, let me try it. Can you hear me now? 
Yeah, we can yes. hear you now. Uh, I think that that's a lot better, a lot better because we're getting uh, All right. that uh, ooing in the back. So, that's you know, yes, much better. Uh, what's what's on your heart tonight? Okay, got a very interesting question, and I realized, you know, when I was uh, thinking about it after I asked the question, um, is there anything in Paul's epistles or letters that says a woman can become a bishop? Oh, that's a good question, Brother Rick. Um, and that question is oftentimes asked uh, regarding women when it comes to being a bishop or another word synonymous with bishop is pastor. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, one of the things that a lot of people try to argue on the liberal side of things is that they try to say what Paul wrote in that day, uh, in this day, uh, doesn't apply to us today, especially when it comes to the pastoral letters. Now, there are two pastoral letters, and that is uh, Timothy as well as Titus. Those are the pastoral letters. And if you look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 1, it talks about uh, Paul gives his credentials, and his credentials and his calling. So we got the two C's, his calling and his credentials. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Now, so uh, he calls himself an apostle. Now, to call himself an apostle means that we got to take his writings very serious in the Lord because uh, God gave those to him and they are, you know, inspired writings. Now, uh, when it comes to uh, a woman being a bishop, uh, I'm not, this is not Buckner, but this is Bible. When you look at First uh, Timothy chapter 3, First Timothy chapter 3, he gets into the office of a bishop and the qualifications for a bishop. And he says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, this is a true saying. Now, that's interesting. This is a true saying because it's a revelation from God. If a man desires the office of a bishop, now, I want you to notice several things in the masculine gender. Uh, he says, if a man he doesn't say a woman. And now this is under the umbrella of the bishop. If a man desires the office of a bishop, there's the word bishop. Here again is the masculine gender, not the feminine gender. He desires a good work. Now look at verse two. A bishop then must be blameless and the husband of one wife. Now, so now he says the bishop must be the husband of one wife. He doesn't say the bishop is a, a, a wife uh, and, and reverse it, but he's saying the bishop then must be the, the husband of one wife. So the bishop is a husband. It's a man. It's in the uh, masculine gender, he. <clears throat> what else can you say about this that the Apostle Paul is saying? Now, don't get mad with me. If you want to get mad, with something, get mad with God, because it's not going to do you no good to get mad with God when God has given his revelation. 
It's the truth. And Jesus said, the truth will make you free. So all of this deep truth, and Paul said, this is true. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work, and the bishop then must be uh, blameless and the husband of one wife. You know, he doesn't reverse it and talk about the wife being a bishop of one husband, but the husband of one wife. What else can I say about this? This is uh, God's truth. And somebody says, well, things have changed. No, uh, Hebrews chapter 13 says, Jesus, same yesterday, today, and forever. That settles it. God's word is settled in heaven. That's what the, the Bible teaches. Hopefully that gives some insight into your question, Brother Rick, and I trust that you got blessed by that. Right, and, and I also I also go back to the position where a woman is not to uh, be in a position where she rules over a man. Right. So that that puts it that puts it that puts some extra emphasis on it too, especially especially you know, when it becomes a bishop. You're talking about leadership, headship. Yeah. And all those things, and that is specifically for the man. Well, God has established headship uh, in the Bible. And, uh, you know, if we, to put uh, some a woman in the position of a bishop or a pastor is a violation of headship. And that's why Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 2, that I permit not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in subjection. Now, a lot of people hate that, what Paul said, but that's the Bible. It's not Buckingham, that's the Bible. Now, women uh, have been used greatly by God as, uh, you know, teachers, missionaries, and uh, evangelists. And some pastors don't go as far as this, but I believe a woman can teach a man as long as she doesn't say that she's a pastor in a pastoral role. People, you say, where do you get that in the Bible? Well, uh, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, they taught Apollos. He was a great man of God. Many think that he might have even been the one that wrote the book of Hebrews. But we don't know. Could have been a variety of people. But Apollos was a very articulate scholar, you know. And uh, so uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they were a married couple. And they taught, they taught Apollos. So a woman, but they didn't claim to be, uh, she didn't claim to be a, a pastor. So women can teach as long as they're not teaching in a pastoral role. Some pastors don't even go that far, but I'm going with the Bible, not Buckner, this is Bible. Amen. So thank you so much, Brother Rick. And you have any prayer requests that we can pray for? Pray for my health right now. Keep me strong right now. I'm hoping to be able to make it tomorrow. Well, that'll be great. That'll be awesome. I'll I'll talk to you about that, about making it over to church. We'll we'll talk about that later on. We'll make sure you get the necessary uh, help and support around that in order to make it over. Okay, well, we have Brother Gary to lead us in prayer on this. Brother Gary. All right. So, Lord, we just thank you for Brother Rick. We pray, Lord God, for his health right now. You know, the challenges he's had to endure, Lord God. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would just strengthen him in this inner man, Lord God, that you bring healing, life, restoration, and wholeness. We pray, Lord, also that you would give him your peace, your perfect peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard his heart and his mind. 
we pray, Lord God, also that you would infuse him with great joy, Lord God, that the joy of the Lord would be his strength, Lord God, and that you would keep him encouraged and moving forward, that as long as he's on planet Earth, let him know that you're with him, that you're standing with him, and that you have a work for him to do. And Lord God, help him to always identify that work, help him to always be able to do that work, and help him, Lord God, that he would have great success in everything that his hand touches. We just thank you right now. We pray for his relationship with his brother and family, for their salvation as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Gary. Thank you. Brother Rick, thank you so much for your call and your feedback, as well as your uh, good question as well. Gary, do do we need to go to No, we have about three minutes, so we can either answer, or excuse me, two minutes now. Uh, if you want to try to answer CC's question, take it off the air. Um, his question, were you, what is your thoughts on the Roman general Pompey the Great? Okay, Pompey the Great. Is he on the line? No, he's, he says uh, he'll take the answer off the air. Okay. Anyway, he Let would me... like prayer for his mother and Will Smith. Okay, let me see if I can squeeze that in in the limited time we have. Uh, Pompey, uh, he lived uh, around 48 BC, was an associate, and later uh, uh, appointed uh, uh, to uh, to work with Julius Caesar. Uh, so, um, well, you know, opponent actually, he was a, actually an opponent. I want to correct that uh, later, an, an opponent of Julius Caesar. Um, Pompey was a he was the great was a leader of the Roman general and statesman. He uh, played a significant role in the transformation of Rome from the Republic to the Empire, and he had an exceptional military talent on the battlefield. And he, he fought in Africa, Spain, and he put an end to the slave revolt in the Spartacus. And he cleared the Mediterranean pirates and conquered Armenia and uh, Syria and Palestine. So that's uh, pretty much just uh, a Reader's Digest condensation of Pompeii. And uh, there's a lot more on him, but I would encourage you to do more reading on him, uh, CC. So, Brother Gary, you want to pray for his prayer request real quick? Yeah, then we'll, then we'll take the break. So, Lord, we just thank you for Brother CC. We pray that you would continue to be with him and his mother. We pray, Lord, for their health and strength. We also pray for the circumstances around Will Smith and his family and and the struggles that he has. We just pray, Lord God, that you would help, bless him to get the help that he needs. And we also pray that he would come into a saving knowledge of you. Um, Lord God, we just know that he's hurting, he's suffering, he's been through a lot, and we know that you are the cure. We know that you are the great physician, and um, you're the one that can heal the things that are ailing him. And so we pray that you bring people into his life that would bear witness to you. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak uh, to his heart or soften it and have, help him to cry out to you and seek your face in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, it's time for us to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and we just want to again thank all of you who have been supporting our ministry over the many, many years through your prayers and through your financial giving. Right now, we have a deficit of about $154 that we need for tonight's broadcast, let alone next week. So we need your help. It's time to step up and hit a home run for contending for the faith. You don't want to tune in and discover that we're no longer on the air and uh, due to lack of support. And so it's important that we are consistent in prayer and consistent in giving. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or a money order to contending for the faith, post office box 553. Tiburon, California, that's T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. You can go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity so important. We just want to encourage you to continue to pray. And as God leads you, continue to give. All right, Dr. Buckner, ready for our next call? Let's do that, Brother Gary. All right. We have Sophia waiting patiently. Sophia, how you doing? Well, I tell you, of course, it's 7 to 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. So I'm. it's like my family reunion. I'm in the house of God on this from 7 to 8. That's how I feel. I'm in my father's house. So I'm just fine. Thank you. Now, I, I have a question. Very concerned. I always thought that, you know, um, God knows everything. So omniscient, you talk about that omnipresent, omniscient. Uh, and, and so he knew ahead of time. He knows everything is going to happen. And I thought somewhere in the Bible it does say that Jesus, he knew that Jesus would have to come and save mankind before the earth was even created. But someone at work said, no, 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 no. Sophia, he was surprised. He was actually surprised when Eve fell. It came as a surprise to him. And um, because he, when he made them, the Genesis says, no, they were perfect. I made the man. It was good. I made the woman. It was good. So in his eyes, they were perfect, and he was surprised. I can't believe that God would be surprised by anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Abs- I don't know what to think. Well, you're absolutely right about that. Um, there's a good scripture on this uh, that you may want to write down. Okay. Uh, And there are two. Uh, I would encourage you to look at uh, Psalms 95, because throughout Psalms 95, it lets you know that there's nothing that takes God by surprise. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible even talks about that there's nothing that takes God by surprise. And then also Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13 it talks about seeing then that, let's see, no, let me go back. Uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 13, let me back up here. Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So this is one of the most famous scriptures on the fact that nothing takes God by surprise because Everything is naked and open unto his eyes, 
with whom we have to do. So that's the first thing that I want to say is that Scripture speaks about this. And then uh, when we talk about God's uh, attributes, you know, he's a God of uh, omnipotence, meaning that he's all-powerful. He's a God of omniscience, Mm -hmm. meaning that he's all-wise. He's a God of omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere. And he's a God of immutability, meaning that he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he told Malachi, I am the Lord, I change not. So when it gets to omniscience, there's nothing that takes God by surprise because he is all-knowing and he's all-wise. So you want to also emphasize omniscience. A man is not omniscience, but God is. So God knows things in advance. Now, the big question is, uh, does he desire it? Uh, He knows what he knew what Adam and Eve would do. Mm -hmm. But did he ordain it? No. Uh, Did he did he uh, put his stamp on it for them to do it? No. Uh, Did God desire it? No. Uh, what God did was that he knew in advance that they would do it because God gives us all tests in life. Even Jesus was tested, but he didn't fail the test. And a man has been tested throughout his life and history, and man consistently failed the test. And is God surprised? No. And God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, uh, to test the, the, the Adam and Eve's faithfulness, their loyalty, uh, if they were going to be trustworthy, and if they're going to love him more than doing evil. So what happens is this. This is kind of like an interesting way to put it, mm-hmm. and I trust that those who are listening will take notes. Um, I thank God that I'm a, not only a pastor, but a theologian and a professor, mm-hmm. uh, but God created the potential for evil, but man actualized it. So God put out there the potential because he saw the potential of what man could do. So that's a way we generally say it. God created the potential for evil, uh, but man actualized the evil. So God didn't ordain it nor approve of it. God simply put it out there as a test because God is always testing uh, us to see if we're going to be loyal to him and faithful. And God is testing us today to see if we're going to be trustworthy to make it to heaven. Because there's a lot of people failing the test, and they love sin. They love uh, doing what they want to do more so than God, and they won't make it to heaven. Those who are loyal, faithful, and living under his kingship, lordship, ownership, uh, they're going to make it into heaven. That's why Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, and very few there be that find it. Now, another point that I want to make is this. People say, well, why in the world did God create them knowing that what they were going to do? Well, because God was looking at uh, a better world than one could ever imagine. So God was looking in the future, even though what Adam and Eve did was temporary, God was looking at in the future what bringing Jesus into the world and also 
creating a world by which all of us would be able to live with Jesus on earth forever. That's the, that's the issue right now. Uh, the Garden of Eden, Eden destroyed, will be Eden restored. So God is going to recreate uh, another Eden in which we're going to live with Jesus on earth forever. Uh, and Jesus will be on earth with us forever. Now, uh, somebody says, well, uh, you know, if he knew this in advance, why would he do it? Well, just what I said. But also, look at it from this perspective. This last thing I'm going to say. This is a good way to say it on an apologetic level. And I'm glad that I specialize in the area of apologetics because it helps to break things down so people can, uh, I can put the cookies on the bottom shelf for the kitties to reach them. Uh, try to make the complexity into simplicity. Now, uh, people say, uh, you know, why did God do this? Why did he bring him in the world knowing that it's, it's evil and all of this stuff? Well, it's the same thing with parents. Why do parents bring us in the world? And they know that it's an evil world around us. Well, that's a good way to look at it. Well, because the parents are looking at a legacy. They're looking at a future. They're looking at generational Christian after Christian after Christian. And they're looking at families going to heaven with them. So God is looking at it the same way. You know, he looked at something bigger than Adam and Eve. He looked at something bigger than the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He looked at the fact that there's going to be a world created, a new heaven and earth, that's going to be so much better than it ever was before. And because, and somebody says, well, what about man possibly sinning again? No, he won't sin again because we will have immortal bodies like Christ. Adam didn't have an immortal body. Adam had a mortal body. People say, oh, you, are you serious? I wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't serious. Uh-huh. Adam had a mortal body. And that mortal body means that he, will, he would have lived forever eating of the tree uh, of life. Uh-huh. So by him eating of the tree of life daily made that mortal body live forever on earth. But once he sinned, his body became mortally corrupted. And what God did is threw him out of the garden so he wouldn't eat of the tree of knowledge the tree of life, rather, the tree of, of life, uh-huh. because if he would have stayed with a corrupt body eating of the tree of life, he would have lived forever in a corrupt body. So what God did is thrust him out of there to get him out of there. But Adam never did have an immortal body. When we get to heaven, we'll be like Christ. That's why it says in First John 3 and 2, it doth not yet appear where we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we will be like him. We will see him as he is. How was he like? Well, uh, John 20, Luke 24, talks about how he was like. He was had an immortal body that can appear and disappear and not go through the doors like Jehovah's Witnesses say. He simply stepped from one dimension to the other with no violation of gravity. So we will have an immortal body, and immortal bodies will never, ever sin because we'll be like Christ. And if we are like him, 
we don't have to ever worry about sinning again. Adam and Eve had a mortal body. So hopefully, I, I kind of went into this on a deeper level, but uh, the Holy Spirit led me to do that. And hopefully, it really ministered to you and blessed you and gave you some apologetic answers. Hey, Dr. Buckner, can I add something real quick to that? Sure. Um, one aspect that I'm always uh, aware of is the fact of love. God could have created us as robots and programmed us to love him. But he gave us a choice. He gave us free will to choose to love him or to choose not to, to choose to obey him or to choose not to. So you talk about that potential for sin. That potential is is, is also hand to glove with that free will and that uh, he desires that his children love him because they want to love him, not because they're made to love. Now, then you know what, what you're saying is so important as well to add to what I'm saying, because that fits right into the potential because mm-hmm. God gave man the potential of choice. And so you brought up a really good point there. And I had it on my notes here. So that's the Holy Spirit uh, speaking through you. Uh, this one point I missed putting out there tonight, but Holy Spirit brought it uh, back through you. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, if he could have created us as robots, and if he would have, there is no genuine love in that. But the fact that he created us, as you said, with free will, free choice, that's where you have genuine love. It's kind of like looking at it from the standpoint of a relationship. You can't make someone, force someone to love you, even if you want to get married. They got to choose. And that, and even regarding every aspect of life. So, excuse me, hopefully that, that really uh, has given you some good ammunition, Sophia, and you got blessed with all of this. Well, I said before that... When I listen, it's from 7th to 8th, I'm in my father's house. Boy, that was an example, brothers and sisters. That was so unbelievable. That was, I'm speechless. Thank you so much, Dr. Buckner and Brother Gary. That was just magnificent, and everything is so clear, and I thank you so much. I am so blessed tonight. Well, you are so welcome, and we always appreciate you uh, searching the scriptures and sharing the good word of the Lord with others, and we get so blessed by you calling in. And we're going to close with a prayer for you. Uh, Brother Gary, let's lift up Sophia in our prayer. All right. Lord, we just thank you for Sister Sophia. We pray you continue to bless her and continue to be with her and continue to give her much grace and and uh, that authority and dunamis, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, that she would, she would do great exploits for your kingdom, that you would use her mightily. And Lord God, that you would meet every need that's represented in our life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I hear the theme music playing in the background. We've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. And we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553 Tiburon, California, 94920. And please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again 
give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.